Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is The Art of Neighboring, Part 4, Posture, recorded Sunday, August 29th, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Well, uh, I don't know uh, if you've ever had a job where you had to sell things, where you maybe even had a high-pressure sales job, or maybe you have one. It's possible, of course. When I was in high school, I worked at a place called Kinney's Shoes. You ever heard of that? And it was in the West Roads in Omaha. And, uh, and so now I thought selling shoes when I took that job was people came in and they picked out some shoes and, and they bought the shoes and you made some kind of living out of doing that. I, I found out very quickly there are two kinds of shoe salesmen. There are the guys who do it for about a month and there are the guys who actually sell things. And so what I learned is you really, if you're going to succeed in the shoe business, you have to sell fronts. You know what that is? Fronts are like the accessories that go with shoes. So the, the markup on fronts is really high. As a salesman, if I sold shoestrings or cleaning supplies or insoles or whatever else goes with shoes, I would make 40%. And by the way, I didn't last long because I didn't like pushing fronts. It made me feel manipulative. Now, that's nothing, though, like the job I had about a year later. I took a job where I was selling cancer insurance to people who belong to unions. I'm 19 years old. Somehow I passed the insurance exam. I don't know how I did it, but I did. I got a license. To be completely honest, I had one motivation— and that was to make rent for the next month. Uh, that was it. And I, by the way, I could do it. I was pretty good at it. I don't know if it was because I come to these people's houses and I'm this skinny little 19-year-old kid. Yes, I was. This skinny little 19-year-old kid who, you know, who they just thought, that's my grandkid. He's starving to death. I'm going to buy it, whatever it is. I don't know if that's what it was. But anyway, the man who trained me was probably a millionaire a couple times over who had lost it a couple times over, but he was really good in the home. And so what we would do is we'd have these leads and we'd call, make an appointment, and then we'd go in and we'd present the, the product. And he had this closing story. It was just money. And he'd, he'd start talking about this little puppy dog. He'd say, my little puppy dog. And he'd have his hands cupped like this. Little puppy dog that died in my hands. And he like, sounded like he was from Georgia. And he wasn't, but he, I don't know why, but he did. And the couple's sitting there and just start crying. And I'm sitting there and I'm crying. And then they're like, where's the pen? Let's sign up. I don't know what the story meant, but it worked. I mean, he was a closer, you know. But it was, it was manipulative. And, and, and here's what I learned about selling in that, in that environment you do not leave without a signature. Because if you walk out of that house and they say something like, well, we'll think about it, it's over. So we were trained how to get their name on the dotted line. Now, the problem with that is my motives were wrong. It's not that those things aren't important to us, like things like insurance, they are. But my motives were, were messed up. And so I didn't last very long in that. Dave Runyon, who wrote this book that we're going through called The Art of Neighboring, said in week one of the series when he was here on the stage, he said, people are not projects, they're relationships. And if we're going to have the right kinds of response with our neighbors, we have to make sure 
that our motives are correct. If we're going to have a powerful impact on our neighbors, we need to have the right motives. And there, there isn't a more important place to have the right motives in life than in relationships. It's got to start there. And in the book To Transform a City, the authors Eric Swanson and Sam Williams, they talk about the difference between ulterior and ultimate motives. So ulterior motives, that means that you have an agenda going into the relationship. You maybe know something that you're concealing from the person that you're, that you're involved with. There's something manipulative about that. I mean, you're keeping something from them that maybe they don't realize. It, it might be the reason you're there in the first place. Like I said earlier, that young buck insurance salesman, I sold a lot of policies initially. Uh, the motives were all wrong. And I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know the, uh, the name of a single person that, that bought one of those policies. Not, not one person. Because my goal was to put another notch on the whiteboard at the corporate office, office another couple hundred bucks in my pocket. Ulterior motives. And then there are ultimate motives. That means that, that what you do is you're hoping, you're hoping for the furthest dream of that person to be realized. Like the only reason you're in it for them is that you want them to be ultimately be successful in life and eternity, in, in our case, as we talk about what we talk about here at Third City. There are really a lot of good insurance providers in the world who have good motives. I want to make that clear. People who care about you. I, I have two people in my life who, for, I don't know, 20, 25 years, they've cared about me beyond just that they have insurance that I somehow use their product. It's a relationship that they have with me, and I do believe that they care about me as a person. That, yes, they're prospering, it's part of their job, but beyond that, they have, they have some concern for Jackie and I in our life. Because their ultimate motives supersede their ulterior ones. Here's the point. The ulterior motive for my neighbor should never be to have another notch on my whiteboard. Like, like somehow that's my job to, to save them. My ultimate motive should be to, at some point, share the story of hope that God is writing in my life. The, the story that he is remaking me for. Something that goes far beyond our neighborhood. That actually has eternal ramifications. So my goal has to be to meet them with my story when the time is right, if that opportunity arises. I love this statement by Dave Runyon, who was, again, here a couple weeks ago. He says, we don't love our neighbors to convert them. We love our neighbors because we are converted. Every person here who you call yourself a Christ follower, you have a story. Man, I heard an awesome story in the hallway here just a few minutes ago about a person who, you know, God is remaking their life. Two people, actually. A story that's intertwined with Jesus' story. A story that proves that Jesus is real and he provides solutions. And there's hope to be found when we line up with his life-giving story. Now, I've been meeting my people with my story for like 40 years, since I was about 20 years old. Insurance brought me to Jesus. I'm just telling you right now, we had a meeting, okay? It was one of the factors, 
But Jesus has been remaking my life since that point. And I'm learning as I go forward what it means to be wrapped up in his story. And uh, the Apostle Paul was the same way. He wrote these things back in probably about AD 50, a long time ago, where God was rewriting his story. And here's how he put it when it comes to being ready to tell your story. Here's what he says in Colossians 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Okay, just stop right there and think about the motive behind that. Devote yourselves to prayer. You're thinking about someone else, not yourself. And then you're going to let that prayer experience, as you care about others, make you vigilant about them. That's what he's talking about. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. This is part of his story. His story is that now he's in jail because he is following Christ and speaking for Jesus. And so he's saying, give me opportunities here, God, to tell the story. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Some takeaways on being ready to tell your story. Here's what he says. Start with prayer. I don't know if you've been doing it, but you got that little card. It's got all these boxes on it. Have you, have you started praying for your neighbors? You just put them in your daily prayer time. Say their name. God, I pray for this person. I ask you, Lord, to love them, to show them you're real. Whatever it is you need to say just to make sure that they're on the front, you know, they're on the front of your mind and, and your heart as you're dealing with God on their behalf. And then he says, be watchful. What is it you're seeing? Is, you know, your neighbor that's been out in the yard a lot, now they're not? Why? Maybe you should just do a welfare check and find out. Uh, maybe you know that, you know, you saw the obituary and they lost a parent. Or they're going through something health-wise and you've been, become aware of that. Maybe they've had some celebratory issue. Like, you know, there's something that they're really celebrating. Like a child has graduated from high school and now they're going to college and that's a big thing. So you want to be a part of that. An anniversary, a big anniversary, and you hear about that. Be watchful. Be thankful. And then be wise in your actions toward them. They're not your agenda. They're your neighbor. Wisdom suggests you just somehow care about them. And you serve them somehow. And you reach out somehow when the time is right, when it should happen. And then have a conversation. He says, make sure the conversation is full of grace, seasoned with salt. And really, this is good peopling. This is peopling 101, okay? It's like lots of grace, lots of forgiveness, over and over again being kind and generous and hopeful. Grace, grace, grace. But once in a while, you've got to throw in some salt. Now, in Paul's day, salt was not just for flavoring. More often than not, it was to preserve something or for a healing purpose. They would pack wounds, for instance, with salt to somehow help with the in- infection that might take over. <coughs> Excuse me. And so think about salt as, as you penetrating their life in the appropriate way to bring healing, uh, to preserve a friendship, to, to make your life meaningful to them. 
When the time is right, when they open the door, you are going to give them the reason for the hope you have when the time is right. Here's my story. Be ready to tell your story. Last Sunday, I was at Broken Bow, and a person caught me after the service, and they told me a recent neighbor, neighbor story. It happened that week, actually. I thought it was pretty cool. So he said, yeah, I, I live in, the, in a rural area, and so my neighbors are all pretty far away, a quarter mile, a mile, whatever. And he said, I know all my neighbors except one guy. I didn't even know his name. So he said, you know, he th- I started thinking about that. I probably need to get to know my neighbors. So he was at some kind of an event, and his son was there with him. He said, hey, Dad, you know what? That's your neighbor. And he goes, what, that guy? He goes, yeah, that's, that's your neighbor. And so he felt real awkward. You know, he's like, well, what do I do with that? So, you know, God was kind of working on him. I need to get to know my neighbors. So he, he pulled up his big boy pants, and he walked over to this guy, and he said, hey, I'm so-and-so, and I'm your neighbor. And they had a nice conversation. He got his name, so he's got someone to pray for now. It wasn't a big deal. But it was an opportunity for him to start building a relationship. And so if the opportunity arises, only God knows, someday he may have an opportunity to share something more substantial with his neighbor than just, this is my name, what's yours? Hey, I want to show you a story. This is, this is a good way that you can understand what it means to tell your story. This is from Laura, so watch this. Uh, My name is Laura Baker. Um, I started attending here a couple years ago. My life before Christ was just a bit of a struggle. Um, You know, I always kind of knew he was there, but I didn't have a relationship with him. I had religion, but no relationship. I had some struggles in my teenage years with uh, mental illness and um, just overall teenage struggles. And so I did kind of walk away. I felt like he forgot me. I didn't understand how God would let someone go through all that. um, And I just didn't feel him there. My struggle was, when did it become the relationship with him? And I think I was always just searching. And when I started coming to Third City, I I was emotional right off the bat. There were songs that I would just cry. um, And I think the first service that I went to, I cried most of it. (laughs) I I felt something there. I knew I was getting close to where I needed to be. And then um, my little sister that got me to start coming here finished her session with Rooted and told me, hey, this, this might be a good thing for you. Part of me just thought, you know, the, the what's it gonna hurt? What, what can I get out of this? You know, you, you meet these people for a reason and you see that after you go through the process, but also, you know, just the discussions that you have, the eye-opening things. Life isn't what you thought it was before God, you know, what it is now or what it could be after going through that and, and digging deeper into it is a great experience. Going through Rooted helped change that perspective. I wasn't so angry at God for, for forgetting me or abandoning me because I can see now he didn't. 
I don't have to send up prayers all the time and asking for things and looking for signs because now I, instead of just looking for things, I can see the miracles that are in every day. You let go of that anger. You let go of that, why did you do this to me? And, and get to the point where I don't understand why you wanted me to take that path, but I'm just gonna trust that you're taking me the right direction. I'm just, I'll follow, you know, I'll be where you need me to be. I came across a, a poem um, and it is the Footprints poem. You know, my child, um, I love you and would never leave you. And those times when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. And that meant so much to me um, because I knew I wasn't alone. I was, I was being carried through those struggles and, and I was on this path and it didn't make sense, but he wasn't, he was with me the whole time. I notice that when I struggle, I look down a lot, as I think most people do, and um, so I tattooed, um, it was then that I carried you on my foot as a reminder. They offer anybody to get baptized if they were thinking about it, and I knew that was something I wanted to do. Like I said, I cry during every baptism that they do during a service, and, and I knew I wanted to get there, but I wasn't, I wasn't ready yet, and after going through the rooted experience, um, I knew I was ready. I knew I had that relationship with God and it was amazing to be able to share that with everybody. My experience through rooted um, was what it was because of the people I was with too. Um, having all these different perspectives and, and all these different views of the world ma makes it what it is. And we were all putting that group together and I'm just so thankful for all of them. So as far as rooted, I mean, you get more than what you think you are. It's not just getting to a new relationship with God. It's, it's the relationship with the other servants too. And I love Laura's story. And, and actually, uh, without going into great detail, her story goes way back for me because her sister, Brittany, and my daughter are very close friends, and for all their lives, basically, I've been watching God unfold this story uh, for them. So it's amazing to me to hear that. And it's just beginning for her, for Laura. You know, she's, she's at the beginning point of what God's doing in her life, just like he is for you. But she has a story to tell, and so do you. You have a story, too. And miraculously, God lets us be a part of his work, just like her telling her story. He lets us be a part of transforming people's lives, weaving his story of grace through us. And maybe our role will be that, that somehow uh, we will be able to, at, at some point, just say, here is why Jesus is real to me. And prayerfully, what people are seeing about us is not perfection by any stretch of the imagination, but people are seeing a person whose life is being changed because of something different, something unique, something in their social life, something in their lifestyle that's changing. And then they start to wonder, how is this happening and how can God do this for me? How your hopes and your dreams are being transformed matters. Now, when the opportunity arises, then tell your story. You know, when the door opens, be ready. And if you're a Christian... And God's story is becoming your story. Your life story fits into the grand scheme of things. God is working, even when sometimes it doesn't seem like it. 
And then when opportunities arise, when things happen, he'll start to work. And, and by the way, then when he starts working in your life, he'll start working around you. The neighbor next door. The RV across the street. He's working in the house to your right and your left. He's putting you in a place where your story is going to matter to someone else. Jesus modeled this for us, by the way. Jesus had an amazing ability <coughs> excuse me, to meet people in the right place at the right time with the right motivation. And he brought, he brought a lot of grace, tons of grace, and sometimes a seasoning of truth or of reality. And depending on the circumstances, he was able to meet people where they were. And it became obvious for some because, you know, you're a blind man and you can see all of a sudden, that's obvious. Or if your daughter who's laying in a bed dead raises from the dead, that's pretty obvious. But not always. Sometimes it was just the subtle thing. I'm coming to your house. I'm going to have a meal with you. And the rest of the community said, you're going to his house? Huh? What? His house? Yeah, I'm going to his house because he's my neighbor. I care about him. He looked past their faults and he loved them. And then when they were ready, he started to intertwine them with his story. A, a, a magnificent story about a God who loves people as they are and who changes them as he's able to. So if you haven't started doing it, pray for the people on your neighboring tic-tac-toe grid. Pray for God to show them something. Pray how you can possibly step into their life when the time is right with the right kind of words. Not to convert them, but because you are converted. So Lord, as we commune today, as we come to this moment in our service that we enter into every week, we're again reminded about a neighbor who crossed the street metaphorically and courageously loved us for eternity. And that is you, of course. A Jesus who said, I'm going to come into their world. I'm not going to be afraid of the criticism or the fears of being rejected or the isolation that I'll feel at times because people don't understand me. I'm just going to care about them. I'm going to care about him the best way I can. And ultimately, for him, that meant sacrifice. It meant his life given for us. That's a neighbor that you never want to lose. Lord, there are probably people here today who are trying to figure this out. How can Jesus be that neighbor for them? Show them something in the service today that points them more towards you. In the meantime, Lord, we celebrate in this moment a God who loves us without limits. Amen. Our lives are lived differently. Our lives are lived in praise. Meaning that no matter what, there's something behind us. You know, the motivations are different because of that. And so maybe there's someone in your life right now with whom you can meet a need. Because ultimately God has given you a ministry of reconciliation, the scripture calls it. That means that he puts his story in you and in your hands so that like Laura showed us, there'll be opportunities for us to share that story. 
So be ready for that. So much of what she described, Laura, is tied into Rooted, which is coming up this fall again for us. And one of the great things that Rooted does for a person is just what you saw for Laura. Rooted will allow you to learn more about your story and how God's weaving his story into it so that you too can know how to share that when the time's right. Rooted is an 11-week experience. You'll connect with God. As she said, you'll connect with other people. That'll be important too. And it'll be a life-changing experience for you if you'll let it be. So before you leave today, if you've been thinking about Rooted or maybe today you want to know more about it, you can stop at the hub and uh, you can learn more about it and maybe put your name down. Or you can also go online and uh, we have places there that you can register. And I hope that you'll consider that. But for all of us, now what we do is we go love our neighbors as ourselves. That's what we do. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org, call us at 308-384-5038, or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.